men. Chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the islands where they were sitting. There appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were there dwelling at Jerusalem Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was marched abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? How here we have a man in our own language wherein we were born. Eight verses out of the second chapter of Acts. Let us pray. Father, thank you for what our ears have listened to and our hearts have felt in the message of our dear brother that's just spoken. We know it's real for him because we know him. We've seen him when he was fighting the call to preach the word, prayed for him when he surrendered down in the pine thicket. And we've seen him come from that to this hour. And we know he's telling the truth. And we pray that you'll continue to keep your hand upon him. Use him for your glory. Father, bless this meeting. May it reach the peak that you wanted to reach this week and the weeks to follow. Take thy servant, speak through him. Loose his tongue, illuminate his mind. Give him holy unction. Bless this pastor and all the other pastors that's here. Help us, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want to think with you for a little bit this evening to follow up of some of these other messages on the power that came on the day of Pentecost. We live in a day when there's a lot of misconception of things. And a lot of erroneous teachings about the power of Pentecost. And we've been talking a lot about the power of the Holy Ghost. Unless somebody gets a wrong conception, maybe we better look at it for a little bit this evening and get it in our minds what it's about. I want us to remember one thing, and that is that Jesus 
for he left out told the disciples and uh, said tell you in the city of Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high before you try to go anywhere you wait till the power comes he's just got through commissioning the church and selling go ye into all the world and preach to every creature baptizing them making disciples and then baptizing them teach them observe all things and they was tarrying in Jerusalem waiting for this power to come but before it come four things had to happen first of all before the power of Pentecost come on the church they had to get rid of some Judas the hypocrite in the church he is lost the power of God couldn't use him as a lost man and so he had to get rid of him old Judas uh, was holding back a revival because he's more innocent than uh, the, what it cost than anything else and he's fussing about the woman anointing Jesus with a little bit of ointment and got a lot of folks that's fussing about what it's going to cost if we have a revival as long as the tight-fisted skin-flinty people in the church don't want to pay anything you can't have a revival with a bunch of stingy folks tight-fisted folks holding out on God God can't bless that kind of stuff so they got rid of Judas and his covetousness and then his selfishness and then they had to get rid of the fishermen Peter said I go fishing the rest of them said if you go we're going with you or you can't have a revival and the preachers all going to fishing instead of doing what they're supposed to do and when Jesus got through they quit fishing and went back to doing what God had called them to do and Jesus said lovest thou me more than these we got to get the sensitive to the call of God and then they had to get rid of the doubting Thomases Thomas said I'll not leave it until I can place my finger in the nail printed hand and place my head, uh, hand in the, the side that's been pierced and Jesus appeared in the scene and Thomas fell down and said my Lord and my God his doubts is gone and then they had to get rid of the high seat seekers. Woman come and said, Lord, let my two sons, have you noticed they're a little bit better than anybody else's sons? Let one of them sit on the right hand, one of them on the left hand of the father. Jesus said, that's not mine to decide, my father decide that. But for your information, I'll tell you who's going to sit closest. The one that's the greatest servant will sit the closest and that dethroned them because they wasn't wanting to sit up there because they're serving they don't want to sit up there these high seat seekers we got a lot of folks who want all the glory but they don't want to serve they don't want to do anything they don't want to make any sacrifice until you get rid of the Judases and get rid of the fishing crowd and get rid of the doubters and the high seat seekers you're not going to have the power of God very much when all of that's gone, 
then you have the power of God. And the power that came on the day of Pentecost, those things I want us to think about, notice, he sold the church, go ye therefore and teach all nations, make disciples out of them, and baptize them, and then teach them to observe all things I have commanded you. And on the day of Pentecost, this power came on the church so they could go evangelize. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the hounds where they're sitting, not one corner of it, not a certain place. But it filled the whole house where they're sitting, who? The 120 members. The church has grown from 12 now to 120, and they've done lost one of them, old Judas. And there it is. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like a fire, and it set up on each of them. Not just some old brother or sister seeking something, but it set up on each of them, all of the 120. And they were all, not one or two, but all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. All of them. Every one of them. Now that's quite different from what you hear today being taught and preached. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Not an unknown tongue, but other tongues. Different tongues from what they've been speaking. Now you just get something here in the beginning. They begin to speak with other tongues, all of them, was filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit sat upon each of them. They were all filled, not just one or two old brothers and sisters been seeking around, hunting around, but all of them. The young ones and the old ones, smart ones and the ignorant ones, poor ones and the rich ones, fishing with them all. They saw filled and begin to speak with other tongues. And then listen, what it said there, and there were dwelling at Jews, and Jews without men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was most abroad, the multitude came together and confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language, and were amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? How here we have a man in our own tongue when we were born. Now look, they were devout men, not a bunch of hoodlums and hippies and hoppies, but devout men out of her, every nation under heaven. You get that? How come in there? Some of the scholars said it was... Uh, Metropolitan, metropolitan nothing. They were there, the divine appointment had them there. God had some men, how kind, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Had them there. They knew what they were looking for and listening for. 
because God had them there the divine appointment they's listening for a peculiar sound they's listening for a message that he had for them he brought them there He's told the church, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Get the message out to every nation. This little 120 couldn't take it to every nation. And so God sends a representation from every nation under heaven to get it and carry it back. See it? All right. And so here they are. And when the power of God come upon them, then they could begin to speak in other tongues. They spoke it in the different languages. And said, Aren't oh, all these Galileans? How may hear me every man speak in their own language wherein we were born? Not the national language, but the language that they was birthed in. So they'd be sure to understand every word of it. God had those devout men that heard the message from the church they take it back to their native land and tell it to the native country they come from. You see, God never slips up on anything. He fixes everything. When the veil was rented, when Jesus died on the cross, it was rented from top to bottom so some wouldn't say somebody got scared and tore it when they run through it. God foolproofs everything. He don't let nothing slip up. And so, as a result, he had devout men out of every nation under heaven. They heard the message, heard it in their own native tongue, language. They understood everything has been said. Now, here's where the unknown tongue stopped. And the known tongue got started. You know, when the unknown tongue started... Tower Babel. And that's where it started. A bunch of folks said, we're not going to go the Jesus bloody route. We're not going to gather the right of the blood. We're going to build a way up to heaven. And we're going to just walk up and walk over on God. And he touched their tongues. And they've been babbling ever since. And wherever you find tongue talkers today, you'll find folks preaching works for salvation. You'll find folks trying to get to heaven some other way other than Jesus Christ only. See, I don't care who they are. It's that plus something else. If you don't talk tongues, you can't go to heaven. That's a lie. Paul went, Stephen went to heaven. He didn't talk tongues. John the Baptist went to heaven. He didn't talk tongues. Jesus is up there. He didn't talk tongues. And a lot of other folks up there didn't talk tongues. Your fathers and fathers up there, they didn't talk tongues. My mother and father's up there, they didn't talk tongues. Most everybody up there went up there and didn't talk tongues, so you just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so I want you to realize the purpose of that was not to talk tongues, but that the power of God came on this church so they could speak the language, and these representatives of each nation heard the message in their own language. Now look. When the noise went out, they all gathered and listened. They knew when to gather and listen, when the signal was given, wherever there's that, they come together. They heard this church preaching the word, the message. It's in their own language. 
They were amazed and marveled that they could understand it. And then they go back. Now you've heard people say, my friends, that it doesn't look right that the heathen nations would have to go to hell when they have heard the gospel. There has never been a nation that didn't hear the gospel. You see, if any nation ever just didn't hear the gospel, they could point the finger in God's face and say, we didn't hear it. It's not God's fault because he had a representation from every nation and he sent it back there and it's not God's fault they didn't listen at it. You read in the book of Revelation and it said there's folks up there in heaven from every nation, every kindred, every tongue, everything else. It says so, so they must have got it. So that settles that. And so I want you to realize this afternoon that it's from something besides that. And it wasn't the unknown tongue, it is a known tongue. And I want you to see it. What it is not, nine eleven then, it is not some jabbering. It's the simple of the church getting the message to every nation under heaven. God said they would, and here it is. See how, how God's getting the message that he's talking about. We have to get the message out. I told the church you got to go in every nation. All right, God got some representative. They heard the message. God moved on. They go back. They preach it to this nation, preach it to their nation. They preach it to them. They all got it. Somebody got saved in every nation, and God's not to blame for any of them that didn't keep it. Now, you keep that in mind. And they understood it. It wasn't some unknown jabbering. And so, wherever you find that jabbering, it isn't God. He said, you're my witness. And when you can't understand what a fellow's saying, he's not a witness. Just keep that in mind. And so I just want to say that in the beginning to let you know why they were there. God never makes a blunder. Everything God does, he foolproofs it. You can't pick it and fall in it. And so as a result, now then, let's look. What is the power of Pentecost for? So get the message. He said, carry it till the power comes. And in the meantime, God got the representatives from every nation, and they heard that there'd be a sound, and when the sound come, they heard it, and heard it in their own language. They went back and preached it. Every nation got the message that carried God with all the nation on the face of the earth, which God's not for the fault of God that they didn't keep it. If we let the word go from America, not God's fault, it's our fault. So we better remember that. And there's a lot of things I'd like to say there, but I'd like to take time this evening. Some things that my friends, the power that it came on the day of Pentecost was not. It was not to make folks happy. It was not to make folks feel good. A lot of folks say, I want the power of the Holy Ghost. What for? To make me feel good. Well, I got news for you. God don't give you the Holy Ghost to make you feel good. There's nothing in the scripture that says anything about you shouting because you feel like it. 
You know the only scripture rights you have for shouting? Let me read it to you. In the sixth chapter of the book of Luke, in the tenth chapter of the book of Luke, he gives you the scripture right for shouting. I'll read that to you. Listen to it. Behold, I give you power to on, tread on serpents and scorpions, and hold all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding this, rejoice not that the serpents and are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that our Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the poor, and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Well, he said, don't go around here shouting, shouting, handle snakes that don't bother me. I got power over the Spirit. Why? You might hit an old book rattlesnake, and he's toughened up, and he bites you and kill you. You might have, uh, come on the devil, you couldn't handle, you couldn't shout. But if you say, you can always shout because your name's in heaven. Because the ones that erase it can't erase it. And God ain't got no eraser. And your name's always in heaven. And if you don't shout, shout day or night. It's always up there. God and Jesus said, I think you are. Jesus shouted over your name written in heaven. You ought to shout. Then look in the sixth chapter. 22nd verse. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, shall reproach you, shall cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did, they, did their fathers unto the prophets. He said, Now, you rejoice because your name's in heaven, and then when folks persecute you and won't keep company with you and sidle off from you and, and call your names and make fun of you and won't have nothing to do with you, criticize, said, leap, jump up and down and shout down. Well, you don't feel like shouting when folks just criticize and find fault, but that's when you're supposed to shout. He said, rejoice when they won't say all manner of evil about you, and when they criticize you because you're living for Jesus, won't have nothing to do with you, sidle off from you, said, just leave for joy. Your rewards are you getting richer. You're getting increased in your bank account in heaven. Shout over it. And my friends, if you shout on that crowd, you don't have to put up with them very long. <laughs> I tell you a little secret, if you've been persecuted and criticized and punched around about the devil's crowd, you don't have to do it. There's a remedy for that. I found out a long time ago. I had some of the brethren pointers and committee come to me Say, Percy, we use you in a lot of our special speaking conferences if you wouldn't uh, be so emotional and holler and hoot and shout sometimes. You embarrass us. And said, if you take a comma, we could use you. But you're unpopular. And if you come around, every old shouter for a hundred miles will come to hear you. <laughs> Why don't you come down? I said, I used to be an infidel. I got in the church and wasn't saved. Drove me to infidelity. And I was wicked. 
And I shot at preachers and got butchering eyes and straight razors and everything else and tried to kill a bunch of them. And then one day, God saved my soul. And I was all roast in hell when he saved me. And when I get to thinking about that, fellas, I can't behave myself. Woo! Glory to God! Hallelujah! I'm so happy! <laughs> They've never been back to see me since. <laughs> when folks come criticize me and gossip about me and talk and make fun of me, I have me a shout and spell and you can't catch them. And I guarantee you they'll never be back no more. So if they're gossiping about you and making fun of you, they ought to. Shout on them. They'll leave if you do. <laughs> They'll leave you. That's what he said. And so my friends, we're not we're to shout because we're being persecuted. Not because we can handle snakes and handle poison and all that stuff. Cause it ends in the cause we're persecuted. That's the grounds we shout on, not because we feel like it, but because of these other things. And then I want you to realize, my friends, we got to something else doing. And the power that came on the day of the Pentecost was not the folks to shout. And I want you to realize that. It's not for the cleansing to just make folks blow the whistle. When men went out here and built a railroad track, put trains on it, they didn't just build that railroad track and put a train to run up and down and blow a whistle, ring a bell. They put out that and moved freight from one town to another. Now there's no harm in blowing a whistle and ringing a bell on the train if you're moving anything. But a lot of Baptists just want the power of the Holy Ghost so they, woo, ding dong, ding dong, not moving anything or helping anybody go anywhere. Well, God ain't going to give you power to blow your whistle and ring your bell if you're not going to take anybody out of hell. But if you're moving folks from sin and the devil and out of hell to heaven, blow your whistle. No harm in it. Ring your bell. No harm in it. But be sure you're moving passengers. I want to realize them. it's not the eradication of the carnal nature. You don't become sinless because you get saved. That which is born of God is the spirit of you, not your flesh. Flesh is the flesh and the spirit's the spirit. What is born of God does not continue in sin, but your flesh is not born of God, it's born of woman. That spirit's born of God. And you come along and say you're your flesh is sinless. And I've got, I got some folks that run around saying they're sinless and they're perfect. And they all sin. Till they quit dying, I don't believe it. I read in my Bible where it said death comes because of sin. Well, until these sinless fellas quit dying, I don't believe what they preach. Because if they're sinless, what come them to die? You're not sinless. You say, how you know you're judging? No, I just know the truth. If you get wet and in sin, you won't hang around yet. The last you see you use your feet as you go up through the sky. That's not what the Holy Spirit was given to us for. Not make us sinless. And then some others say, well, 
It's for the purpose of healing folks. That's not so either. The Holy Spirit isn't a healer. Jesus is a healer. He healed folks three and a half years before the Holy Spirit ever came in man. He's a healer. Jesus heals, not the Holy Spirit, but Jesus heals folks. And we're going to turn over in the book of Matthew and we get the truth there right quick out of the 8th chapter. And he tells us that they're to go forth and, uh, and preaching and healing. Behold, they brought to him a sick man with a palsy lying in the bed, and Jesus seeing their faith said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy be a good chair, thy sins be forgiven thee. And Jesus sends them forth, saying, Go forth and preach and healing, and so forth and so on. Jesus is your healer, not the Holy Spirit. He healed for three and a half years. A lot of folks come along and say, Oh, I'm sinless, I'm perfect. I got the Holy Ghost. I can see. I, I can heal folks. That don't prove anything. I, I saw a whole steam bull weighed about 1,800 pound heal a fellow one time. <laughs> we had a fellow out there in Mississippi. He got paralyzed from the waist down. He'd been to all the clinics and none of them couldn't heal him. And said to you will always be a paralytic. These boys should put him in a wheelchair and take him to the auction sales of cattle. He's a rancher, and he'd bid on cattle, and the boys would take him back home, take him out of the chair and put him in the car and take him home. He's at the auction ring one day and sitting up in the bleachers, and they run cows through there, and he'd bid on them. They run an old whole steam bill about 1,800 pounds. He's rough and sick looking. He drooped through there. Nobody wouldn't bid on him. He looked too rough and sick and they wouldn't bid on him. And the auctioneer motioned to one of the heifers to punch him with a hot stick. And he punched him and that old bull jumped and bellowed. Somebody bid And then he drooped. Nobody bid. Somebody else, he punched him again. He whirled around there and somebody bid on him. He motioned to him to punch him good. He punched him good. That old bull got mad. He whirled around, bellowed, and pawed the dirt and broke and run through those bridges. And that fellow jumped up and outrun anybody in there. And he never has been crippled since that bull healed him. <laughs> so you don't prove anything by healing. Jesus heals. So what the... Ain't no need of trying to prove something. The Holy Spirit was not given to make us sinless. He's not given to heal folks. We're cleansed through the Word of God. And my friends, He was given to help folks understand the Word of God that they might believe in Jesus Christ. And at the same time, we stop to remember, my friends, why then was the Holy Spirit given? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came that the, he might move upon them and give them power. My friends, holy boldness. These disciples were afraid until the Holy Spirit came on them and they lost their fear. And they were afraid to break on Jesus. 
They're afraid to talk about Jesus, but after the Holy Spirit filled them, old Peter put his finger on that bunch of Jews and said, By what authority? It's the authority of him whom you have crucified and whom God has raised up from the dead. Furthermore, neither is salvation in us. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved except through Jesus Christ. That like waving a red flag in the bull's face to challenge him. My friends, they stopped being afraid. They faced the jails. They faced their backs being beaten everything else because they're no longer afraid. The Holy Ghost gave them holy boldness. That's what he did and made them brag on Jesus. They went from house to house bragging on Jesus, telling about Jesus, bearing witness, talking about Jesus, telling about Jesus. Give them a holy sweetness. They didn't go around whimpering and complaining and fussing and crying about how I'm mistreated, how I'm not appreciated, how I'm shunned because I'm a Christian. They didn't open their mouth. They went as Jesus, as a lamb to the sword, and opened up his mouth. And then it gave them a loving, living faith. Their faith didn't waver. They loved the Christ. They loved the church. They loved lost souls. And then it gave them a message, life and death, to win souls. And as a result, they had to go out and stood up and fought and preached and prayed and suffered burned at the stake, suffered the dungeon and the jail without complaining. They died for the cause of Christ because it's full of the Spirit of God. Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, was stoned to death and smiled and said, don't charge it to their account. My friends, it's the sweetness that he puts there. And the Holy Ghost let them know that it was an urgent message. Life and death proposition. They had to go. Souls are going to hell. Souls are perishing. And so as a result, they had to go to bear witness. And as a result, Jesus said in the 16th chapter of John, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll not speak of himself, but of me. And wherever you find the Holy Ghost in a person, they're dragging on Jesus, not themselves. Not, and not the Holy Spirit. And wherever you find these folks saying, I'm sinless, I'm perfect, I've got the Holy Ghost, I've got gifts, I can do this, I can do that. They hadn't seen the Holy Ghost. My friends, but when they get the Holy Ghost in their lives, they're bragging on Jesus from house to house, from person to person. They're bragging on Jesus. That's what they got the power on the day of Pentecost was to make them brave and to make them and then when we sent out the word, it is like a gig on a hook when it's thrown out to hang on there. And the more folks pull the loose phone to wash it to them, and they get under conviction and hold them and get saved. Oh, my friends, the Holy Spirit is that which gigs folks when you preach it. The word under power, it gigs them, it holds them, and they tear out. And it tears them. And they can't stand it. They have to wield them. Come on and surrender. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Is to hold them. And make us realize the urgency of it. The emergency of it. And drag on Jesus. And lift up Jesus. And honor Jesus. Not ourselves and not the Holy Ghost. But preach Jesus. <laughs>